0: As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.
1: Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and guess what, friends? I'm back here with Joel and Denise. Honey, we are so glad you're home. Rick,
2: thank you. I'm so glad to be home, and I'm glad to be on Home Group. Glad to be with you. Glad to be with you. Glad to be
1: with you. Wait, Joel and I were talking that you were gone because you were being a grandmother. Joel said you were being a Russian babushka. And then he said, no, you're not quite a Russian babushka. Well, you definitely have Russian grandchildren. Yes, you do. do. Yes, you do. And
0: there's something else I talked about here in Russia. Every year, every summer in the former Soviet republics, every summer for like two weeks, they turn off all the hot water. Oh, if you live in an apartment yes because we share one heating system so they have to clean all the heating pipes which is probably a good thing it's part
1: of the old socialistic system that everybody gets the same thing so everybody's water goes off on the same day every uh, different regions go off on the same day can i say something Mm -hmm. else also all the water comes back on at the same time and in the fall of the year everybody gets heat On the same day. So until the city decides to turn on your heat, you might be a little cold in your house, but you're not going to get heat until it's time to flip the switch. That's what socialism produces. Everybody gets the same thing. So remember that. Okay? So
0: yesterday was our day. We got cold water. (laughs) We had cold water, but now we don't have any hot Hot water. water. Because they're going to clean the pipes. I don't know how they clean those pipes, by the way. But... Anyway, I was telling mom and dad, that's it. My season has started. Well,
2: I remember when we lived in Moscow in an apartment. Yep. And they turned off the hot water,
0: and you would get
2: in that cold shower, and I would just go, I just start singing. <laughs> it wakes you up for sure.
0: Like Daniel and Mark, they're ten and seven. <laughs> I mean, they're probably going to be like, oop, oop. <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs> yeah. Did you take your shower? Yes, it was one second long.
1: Yeah. Well, it makes me thankful we have our own heating
2: system. Yes, in our house. yes.
1: But hey, we're giving all these things to people who don't have any. need. Yeah. They don't have electricity. They don't have a home. Many of them don't have a home. They don't know if they'll ever be able to go back home. We're talking about a little inconvenience. Right. But think about this inconvenience.
2: And some of them don't have water, Rick. Uh,
1: Denise, and that's why in some places it doesn't do any good to provide a box full of things. They don't have a stove. And so in many places, we're just providing hot meals. Praise the Lord. We're working with our own Riga Church and providing hot meals for 2,000 people. Mm-hmm. And think about that. The Riga Church does not have the money to pay for it. Our partners have provided the funds, but they have the hands, they're the feet on site, and they're prepared. And together, look at all the various partnerships oh, that yes. come together. It takes everybody. And if you want to be a part, of helping us help people that have been displaced, just go to our website on the main page. You'll see a place where you can click and you can find information about what we're doing. And what we're doing is enormous. I cannot exaggerate what the Lord is enabling us to do. And we're not just giving them food and supplies. We're giving them a Bible. We're giving them a book about how to be saved, the 91st Psalm. We're showing them how to stay in touch with us. Because many of them are going to become members of our online church. And our online church is enormous. It's kind of a secret about our ministry. We have about 200,000 people in our online church. And when these people are back to a computer, where do you think they're going to go? They're going to go to the people who fed them. And we're going to begin teaching them the Bible. And many of them are already with us. In fact, our viewership of our online church in Europe has gone up. Are you ready for this? 20%. You know why? It's refugees. They've gone west. And now we are feeding them. And now they're with us online. And we're spiritually feeding them. But if you want to be a part, we want to say thank you. If you've already been a part, we want to say thank you too. And in the regular TV program this week, I'm doing a series called How to Intercede for People Who Are in Trouble. And you know, every time I've taught this series, we've had a big response from people calling us saying, I need somebody to pray with me for my loved one. Mm -hmm. If you need somebody to pray for you, with you, call us. But order the series, comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you this week, Denise's book, The Gift of Forgiveness, which is such a great book. And the study guide is free today. It's just a download. Just go to our website, download it. It'll be yours immediately. And you will really be amazed at all the notes in that free download. It's like a bank would just sit on the table in front of you and the only thing you have to do is just punch a button and bam, it's in your computer. So go get yours. But guys, I'm so glad you're here.
2: Thank, Thank you, me. Rick.
1: What do you think we're going to get out of this tonight? Well, oh,
0: I think we're going to of I've already encouraged. got something out of it. When you were talking about these boxes, I remember the scripture, Mom, you need to remind me where it is, but where Jesus says, you fed me when I was hungry. Mm. You clothed me when I didn't have clothes, right? Mm-hmm. And the disciples said, "Well, when do we do that?" He says, "By helping the needy." Yes. And this that that's the same thing we're doing with these, with this relief pack, with these relief packages and help. We're helping many people with you, and we are honestly very grateful for everything you've done to help us help people. And people need to hear by Jesus. They're looking for a miracle. Every day, these people have lost their homes can't go home. They're looking for a miracle. Where can they just get a bite to eat? Where can they spend an evening? And they're looking for a miracle every day. And through us, through believers, we're supposed to be there to help them. And they'll hear Christ through our works. I really believe that.
1: You know, I was talking to one of the pastors who's working with us to distribute this aid. And he showed me on his camera. He said, Rick, let me show you uh, what people have when they leave their homes and when Mm -hmm. they cross the border. They have a plastic sack about this big all of their world's goods. I'm I'm not kidding. It it couldn't be bigger than this. Something that you just get at the grocery store. Not about half full. They have their documents and that's all they can carry because they're traveling on buses with a lot of people. There's not enough room for luggage. And he said, These people don't have anything. Oh. The love of God wants to do something for them. But hey, let's open our Bibles. We're going to pick up where we left off yesterday, Sister Renner. I'm so glad you're back. Thank you, Rick. But let's go back to Genesis chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 10. And in verse 10, we find that Lot has been looking in the wrong direction. He's been thinking about this privately for a long time. And, you know, I would doubt seriously that he ever told Abraham that his mind was on Sodom and Gomorrah because Abraham would have disapproved of it. But privately, his private thoughts were going in the wrong direction. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 13:10, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plains of the Jordan. And I pointed out in yesterday's home group that when Abraham said, Lot, which land would you like to pick? It didn't take him any time to answer. He had been looking, he had been thinking, immediately lifted up his eyes. And he saw that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And then verse 11 says, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. Abraham camped in the promise of God. That's what I want to do. I don't want to leave the promise of God, Denise. Joel, I want to be where God's called us. Like, like David said, better one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand years. On Somewhere that. else, that's right. Well, Abraham made a decision. He was just going to camp in the promise of God. But from Lot's vantage point, now he was much longer, younger, of course. He was thinking about his future. I think that he was probably tired of this walk of faith. I mean, think about it. It was hot. There's flies in the Middle East. Monster flies like you just cannot imagine. Ay, yay. They're batting flies, sweating, <laughs> traveling on camels or donkeys and walking and making mistake after mistake. Man, this walk of faith is a little bit harder than he thought it was going to be. And from his vantage point, when he looked over there and saw the valleys of the plain, that it was beautiful. And over there was Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah, was real similar to where they came from in terms of luxury. It was a very luxurious place. And his flesh probably thought, you know what? I deserve a break. I've been after this for a while and I'm a young man. I have a future. I need to start thinking about my own life. And he justified leaving the walk of faith to go for something attractive and easier. A lot of people do that, Denise.
2: Yeah. I was just talking to somebody and they said to me, you know, I, I deserve a break. I deserve. And they weren't talking about a vacation. They were really talking about like, this is really getting hard. And I, I deserve to, to stop. I deserve to quit pressing forward so much. And I was like, how can you stop pressing forward.
1: Because the prize is at the end. you got to go all, it, any runner doesn't stop midway. Uh, he's got to keep going.
2: And all that is in the back is, I mean, Peter, Jesus said to Peter, are you guys going to leave me too? And Peter said, where do we have to go? We're the only one with the words of eternal life. So going forward for us, is the only option because what's back behind of us is not good.
1: Well, Genesis 13, 12 says that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. I mean, that verse, that statement is so packed.
2: Yeah, it is.
1: He pitched his tent toward, Mm -hmm. he journeyed east and when he set up his tent, he intentionally chose to set it with the opening of his tent and the flap towards Sodom so that at night, He could sit under the flap, he could smell the smells, he could hear the sounds, he could see the lights, it's just over there. And you know, what you look at and think about becomes magnetic.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He was making a wrong decision. And here we find an important truth, you need to be careful what you look at and what you think about, because what you think about long enough eventually is going to lure you right into it. What an example of how sin works. He didn't just barge into sin. By the way, he had walked in faith with Abraham. He knew better. He knew all about Sodom and Gomorrah. But step by step, day by day, the the allurement of it just sucked him right into it. Joel? I have a question. Yes. So the reason they
0: got separated, the cause for their separation was a conflict. Yes. So they had too much blessing, I guess, because they had so much sheep and so many herdsmen. That they intense. Intense that they started to have conflicts not between themselves but their, their teams. Their servants started to have fight arguments. Yeah fight. they were fighting with each other. And so Abraham and Lot got together and said what are we going to do about this?
1: And Abraham recommended well we probably need to separate. You know why I believe he did that? For the same reason that kid, parents negotiate with their kids. Rather than stay on track and say you know what we're going to stay together. We're going to work this out. Very often, parents just accommodate their their children and let them do something else. Parents do the same thing all the time. The truth is, Abraham should have repented. Lot wasn't supposed to be on that trip. They didn't separate because they had too much stuff. They separated because Lot wasn't even supposed to be there. He was supposed to be back home. Abraham and Sarah were supposed to be by themselves. So rather than take responsibility for his mistake, he's trying to find a way to solve the problem with his so-called son, and Abraham gives a wrong suggestion, and Lot takes it. So, what would have been the right choice? I understand he should
0: have he should have apologized before the Lord, and I guess Abraham, uh, Lot, but
1: what then? Well, maybe he should have sent some of those folks home. Mm-hmm. They weren't supposed to be on the trip anyway. But I know that separating was not the right thing yeah. to do, because immediately. When he got out from under the spiritual covering of his uncle, he began to make tragic mistakes. Tragic mistakes.
2: You know, Rick, so he was saying, Lord, bless plan B. And the Lord is so gracious. And he really is. Because a lot of times we get off on off of plan A and get on plan B and make excuses, make wrong decisions, make wrong decisions for other people. And God is so gracious. And we see this Rick with Abraham. I mean, he had to, God had to fix a big problem, but he did fix it.
1: But Abraham camped where he was supposed to be. Yeah.
2: yeah. He stayed there.
1: Now let's talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. Some people, some new people today who are pro-gay, pro-transgender, they say that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah had nothing to do with sexual perversion. They say the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is that they were inhospitable. What? They weren't kind to strangers. That's the whole new theological take. And that is a nice way just to say all that sexual stuff was okay. What was really bad is they weren't kind to strangers. A lot of people say that today. Let me tell you they're wrong. I never heard that before. They're just before. flat wrong. They were really uh, eager to meet those angels. Listen to what the Bible tells us about Sodom and Gomorrah. Moses referred to Sodom and Gomorrah in Deuteronomy twenty-three, twenty-nine, twenty-three, 29-23 and said, The whole land therefore of his brimstone, salt, and burning, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and in his wrath. He's talking about what God did to it. Isaiah mentioned Sodom and Gomorrah in chapter 3, verse 9, citing specifically their sin, which was done shamelessly and out in the open. Jeremiah in chapter 23, verse 14, said that Sodom and Gomorrah was filled with adultery and lies. Ezekiel in chapter 16, verse 49, said it was filled with pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. And they disregarded the poor. They were selfish, they were self-absorbed people. Amos in chapter 4, verses 1 to 12, warned that other cities, if they didn't repent, would be judged just like Sodom and Gomorrah. Zephaniah, chapter 2, verse 9, notified Moab and Ammon that they would be judged like Sodom and Gomorrah, which would turn their land into total desolation. Jesus, in Luke chapter 17, 28 and 29, said the people of Sodom were affluent. And prosperous. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built their lives as they saw fit. But God destroyed it. And Jesus prophesied that the cities who heard him preach and didn't repent would be treated worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. That's amazing. The Apostle Paul in Romans 9, verse 29, said that the remnant of Israel being spared and not utterly destroyed, like Sodom and Gomorrah, Peter, in 2 Peter 2, 4 to 11, declared that a just God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and a day is coming in the future when he's going to judge the wicked in like manner. Jude, in verse 7, told us that Sodom and Gomorrah gave themselves, this is very specific, gave themselves to fornication and went after strange flesh. Strange flesh means flesh of another kind. It's talking about unnatural sexual relationships. The phrase. Strange flesh means the people of these cities were involved in all kinds of sexual perversion, including homosexuality, and we don't even know what else. So to say that they were just cities that just were not benevolent to strangers is insane. And Revelation eleven seven 7 and 8 says, Sodom and Gomorrah are the symbol of all sin and all defilement. Mm. Now, Lot knew what was going on there. He knew it. Mm. And that's why he didn't just barge right in there. He just allowed himself to be tempted by looking at it and thinking about it and justifying, well, you know what? It's probably not the best place to live and to raise a family, but you know what? It, it is nice. I could get a nice house there. Can make an income there. I really don't want my kids to live in tents and caravans like I have. I don't want my kids to have something better than me. And he justified himself right into A horrible, horrible place. That's what he did. (sighs) My friends, we need to be careful with our justification of what we want to do. If it doesn't fit into what God told us to do, it's going to get you in trouble. God has a plan for your life. You need to stick with it and deny all those temptations. This has been good, guys.
2: Yes, it has been.
1: We're done. We're going to come back tomorrow and we're going to pick up right here and I'm so excited to continue. So we want you to have a great day and we'll see you in the next home group.
0: If you enjoyed this teaching, please subscribe, like and comment so more people can see it.